Welcome along to season eight of the Make Life Work podcast. I am Cy Jobling, side project hustler for over two decades, whilst being a father of two and full-time engineering manager. This podcast is all about finding a balance between life, work, and any side projects. So I invite along people from around tech to talk about some of the projects they've delivered and the techniques they might use to do so. This week, I'm honored to be joined by Shannon Almeida, co-founder of nine-second news app, Volve, who's currently based in Mumbai, India. Shannon's story captured my interest as she has been quite the journey to make a successful global app from the untraditional background, unique situation and determination that finally caught Snap's interest and investment. Along the way, Shannon and her co-founder Priyanka have overcome some significant challenges and found a healthier approach to running their business with a close eye on core values. This is Make Involve with Shannon Almeida. So welcome along, Shannon. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me today. A pleasure. It's all mine, really. I'm hoping you'll uh, enjoy the conversation as much as I will. Um, obviously, you're behind the, the amazing project Evolve, uh, the app for news consumption. But before we go into all that detail, can we just get a little understanding of where your background is and what sort of how you got to the where you are now in your career? Yeah, for sure. So... Like to start off, I would say like I've had a very non-linear career track, right? So it's been like a combination of finance, uh, music business, law. So when I, I did my undergrad in finance and economics and, you know, I went on to do my CFA after that. And while I was doing all of this, I was just kind of exploring different things. And I really have this huge passion to like get into the music business. So I went to Berkeley College of Music, did a program there as well. And I really wanted to become a music supervisor for a while, which is, you know, choosing soundtracks for movies and TV shows. It's actually a very cool job. Uh, But then I kind of like, you know, went back into school. I went to law school after that. Then I worked at a law firm for a while. So, yeah, I've I've been kind of doing everything for a while and like nothing in the news space, surprisingly. But, yeah, I think the way we start, like how... I started Evolve, which is like, you know, with my co-founder Priyanka, it's like when I was working at my law firm, she just moved back from London. She was working at UBS as a financial analyst. And um, we were just like talking, like we were having this heart to heart. And uh, to give you some background, Priyanka and I have been best friends since we were um, in high school, like the last two years of high school. So we've known each other for a very, very long time. And yeah, so we, she came back and we were just talking and, you know, we both realized that we wanted to like create a startup that was corporate driven. And so our first startup together was called Benefactory. And the goal for Benefactory was to really have like to engage companies to raise funds for urgent crises. And we did that for a very, like for like a year, year and a half, um, you know, we were, we were doing that while we launched Valve. And the way we launched Valve was really because of Benefactory. So we were working on this campaign called The Migrant Crisis. And um, it was kind of this very like political campaign, as you, as everyone knows, right? Um, and, you know, at Benefactory, we were like really being on top of the news because like when you're doing all these campaigns where you have to be, you know, on the beat, right? And Mm -hmm. so when the migrant crisis campaign came up, we kind of noticed this huge disparity in the news between left publications and right-wing publications, right? 
Yeah. And like, we kind of really experienced the consequences of that when we were raising, you know, donations and funds, you know, the nonprofits were being really uh, low key about the fact that they were, you know, raising for this campaign because, you know, the new donors weren't, you know, appreciative of the fact that, you know, they were supporting such a political campaign. And then when we were good at brands and companies, they were like, oh, it's again, too political for us. So we were like, there, it's actually quite simple. And like, that's kind of when we were like, okay, we need to do something about this situation, right? We got to like, do something where we tell people the truth of the situation. So we cold emailed a lot of celebrities, we cold emailed Kerry Washington, like fashion designer Prabal Garang, Ilana Glazer, and like a ton more, like there were like 100 more. But they got back to us, basically, and they were like, okay, yeah, we, like, really believe in this campaign, and we're going to, like, support it. So that's kind of how, when we went through that entire process, that entire campaign, you know, of, like, trying to vocalize the truth, we realized that, like, you know, biased news is a huge issue, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of when we thought of Bald. So it's a very long story, (laughs) but, you know, it's gotten us to where we are today, basically. I mean, it's, it's an amazing situation to be in, to be able to observe how biased the press can be and the actual impact it's having on society. So obviously uh-huh. you're, you're yeah. really driving hard, hard, you know, you want to help the migrants and bring better lives to all of these people. But because of the press and because of the way that the world is spinning and all these weird factors are influencing stuff, you guys just went, we could do something about this, not just from a campaign perspective, but shift the press model across in some way or form yeah it was definitely um idealistic of us to like think that we're definitely like youngins and we were like oh we're gonna change the way people think about things but that really laid the foundation to why we started evolve when we started evolve it was like that was our mo like that was our north star like that we were like okay whatever we push out is going to be unbiased now we're not gonna skew left or right we're just gonna give people the facts and so that was the main foundation for Volve. Um, but then, like, we're millennials, Pranka and I. And, you know, we had to, like, think about, like, the way we consume news is so different from, you know, the, the boomers. Um, there, it, yeah, it's just, like, we don't open newspapers today. And, like, we don't read long-form news. None of us do. We're all heading to social media. Like, none of us go to, like, New York Times or Washington Post and read those long articles. We just don't. And it just wasn't with millennials. It was, it's with Gen Z. It's with, you know, Gen Alpha, too. And so we really needed to figure out a way to adapt to all these generations, like, this generational shift in how we want to consume not just news, but content in general. And that's kind of how we, you know, came up with the concept of nine-second reads because, your attention span today is just nine seconds. So that's kind of where we, you know, pulled it together. We were like, okay, cool. We're going to give you a nine second read. It's going to be, you know, as unbiased as possible, just the facts. And yeah, that it it just was really as simple as that. Again, using your personal situation to understand what people want you, 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 you are your best customer, aren't you, in this situation? Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't want long-form media. You don't have time to go and read a massive piece from the New York Times or The Guardian. You just want a nine-second piece of news. And, again, you tapped into that market and the audience that are really relating to you on this. So 
I love how it just all relates back to what you want in life as well. It's not sort of just, you know, what we should be doing or greater good. It actually really affects how you want to work and live. Yeah, I would like that's completely how we tackle this issue, right? A lot of people, you know, when you're a startup and you're like we're first time founders, so they tell you like all your all your decisions have to be data driven. But for us it was completely in the beginning intuition driven. It was what feels right over here is that if I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna push it on the app. That was like the beginning of, you know, how we create evolve and like how we designed the architecture of the you know app. And so basically um when we started off it was just unbiased news, but like there was this transition, you know, the more we learn about the market, the more we we once we launched, we got all this feedback from all our users and they're like, oh we want this content, we want that content. And we started learning more about the market. Like you have to understand that Priyanka and I don't come from the media industry. So for us we were learning on the job. And while it was predominantly like news, we realized news for our generation was more than that. It was just content that's trending on TikTok, mm-hmm. content that's trending on Twitter. It's not just like what's, you know, President Biden doing today or it's not just politics. It's more than that. And um, that's kind of when we did this huge shift to different type of like we started publishing, you know, more types of content. And the more feedback we got from readers was like, they wanted more categories. They wanted psychology, they wanted productivity. And that's when we kind of realized like, oh, okay, so like this has got like a much broader scope than we imagined. Like it's not just news. It's kind of like all types of content because like I have like almost every type of content on my app today, on my phone today. I'll have like medium. I have like all of them, right? And it's really unfortunate because these writers are actually amazing. You know, they're writing these beautiful articles and they're putting a lot of thought behind it. And I do want to learn more about it. It's just that I don't have the time. And I'm like, whenever I get on it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just save later, save later. Or, you know, I just don't end up reading it later. Right. Mm. And that was like this issue where we were like, okay, it's not just for news. Like we can do so much more with this. So that's how we kind of transitioned into it being just, you know, we give you the best content on the internet, you know, in nine second news. That's kind of like how we, you know, changed it from unbiased news. We still have unbiased news as our MO. So when we publish news, we make sure like it's very factual. Like we don't want to publish anything sensationalized. Like that's just not what we do. But we make sure that you know, when a user is coming on our app, they're getting much more than just news as of now. Interesting. So how do you make sure that the pieces aren't biased? Is there some curation going in place or is it like a machine learning? What, what's, how is it working behind the scene? Yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's machine learning. So we have like this, yeah, we have like an AI model that, you know, we built and it kind of tackles, you know, various levels of bias, uh, Mm -hmm. in the news, you know, things like, you know, you might not realize like there's some like there can be like one word that can change your entire perception of the news so we're gonna say like trump mocked nancy pelosi that's mm-hmm. kind of giving him a negative connotation that's kind of what cnn or you know a cnn would do so what we would do is like not like trump said this about nancy pelosi right mm-hmm. so you're kind of like then changing 
the the narrative in a very subtle way. You're just relaying the facts and you're letting the user, let them make that decision. We don't want to give, you know, tell them what to think, let them think what they have to think, right? Once they read that, you know, nine second read. So it can be as nuanced as, you know, a word change or it can be as like macro as this line. It's like, it's like completely an opinion. You know, you can make out that the, the journalist has written, like it's like an opinion sentence rather than like him or her you know, writing that piece of, uh, you know, reporting a piece of mm. news. So it, the, the AI models, it manages to like pick up words, picks up like sentences, kind of highlights if it's left-leaning or right-leaning, and then tells us once we start tweaking it, if it's neutral. Right. And that's kind of like, once that process is done, then we publish it to the app. So there is a, an element of curation once you've got the bias sort of filtered yeah. out and then you can start giving your own sort of language to it all as well. Yeah, we have like a whole team of writers and editors. Um, this does require some amount of like manual, like writing and, you know, editing. And so mm. the writers, they kind of pass it through the system and then they kind of tweak it here and there. And like, you know, then we have the editors like take a look at it before it's published. So yeah, there's a process. It's not as straightforward. Like machine learning can help us like, you know, make unbiased decisions. Like telling us this is what it is, mm. but then you still require like, you know, you know, actual people to, you know, write the sentences in a flow and all of that. So, yeah. Absolutely. And you mentioned um, like the, the consumption of content like Twitter and TikTok and all the other sort of new media forms. How do you mm -hmm. kind of tie that into the, the old world of press as well? Is, it, is there some sort of process you guys go through to make that work? Yeah. So it's not about like uh, connecting, I would say, like that form of media. What we're doing is like we're still, it's also text on the on the app, right? Yep. But what we're doing is like there are a lot of viral trends on TikTok, a lot of trending topics on Twitter that we will cover. So there's one, uh, one movement called the birds aren't real movement. Um, nice. Okay. Have you heard of this? No, this is new one. It's bizarre. I think I'm right, but in, but I'm saying this, but I think there's this uh, guy in the U.S. who definitely thinks that the birds are U.S. drones uh, okay. controlled by the government. Um, and it's absolutely bizarre. And, like, it was trending all over Twitter. And they have this huge movement going on. Anyway, so, like, it's not considered news, but, like, it's still something that people will want to know about. Or, for example, like, there are a lot of trends that are happening. So... The way we look at it is like since we're so on top of everything, like we know what our generation is talking about at any given point of time. Like we know trends before they become mainstream. So we will cover things like, are you aware of like, you know, the cryptocurrency DAOs? Yes, yes. Okay, cool. So there's a DAO that tried to buy the U.S. Constitution. And that was crazy for a while. Then like, you know, like the latest meme stocks that are like, you know, hot and trending or... Crazy trends like, you know, is breast milk the new oat milk? People mm. really are talking about these things, discussing these things. And, th you know, the internet is this infinite pool of information. It can get very chaotic. It can get very overwhelming. And so what we do evolve is like, it's a simple solution to be on, on top of everything. And we give it to you very simply in these nine second reads. 
So it's, you, you're taking that sort of editorial process just to kind of pull together social media t- trending topics into yeah. the same experience as a nine second piece of content, which yeah. I, I must admit, I love using your app. It, it's how I mm-hmm. keep on top of the news now because I've, I've fell out of love with the biased press because they always have their own agenda, whereas this is not. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like Volve as well. But plus you, plus you get all the popular culture stuff references in there as well which yeah. I'm not going to keep on top of. I've, I've got a full-time job. I don't want to be browsing Instagram and Twitter all day to find out what's happening. Volve does it for me. Exactly. I think that was the main thing because like, I personally am not on TikTok. I don't get it. But, you know, it's quite interesting to see how, you know, things like trends come and go on TikTok and how they really make a lasting impact on, you know, a lot of things. So you, you kind of want to know what's happening, but you don't want to be on it. And it's really for those people where, you know, it's just super easy to be on top of when you're involved. Um, if you're not on Twitter, uh, you know, it's a great place to, like, still get on top of everything. So we're kind of, we have tabs on everything and, you know, uh, that's kind of what we do. It's, it's a wonderful journey you've been on so far. And I, I don't think we've even talked about the timeline on this yet. You know, when did this idea come together and how, how long has it been working on it now? Yeah, so it, so we launched Volve. And this was also like, we didn't, we weren't ready at all. We launched Volve in March, 2020. Right. And yeah, and it was really, it, he had no plan. We had no plan in place. We were just like, okay, let's just do it. And yeah. one week later, the entire world went, on, went into lockdown. And we were like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh my God, like we don't know how to do everything remotely. Like we had to like go remote. Um, we needed to put all these processes in place, like writing team, edit, editorial team, our tech team. And it was, we were kind of like thrown in the deep end of the pool without mm-hmm. knowing what to do, because I don't think people realize, like we obviously we're still in COVID. We're still, you know, the pandemic's still going on, but we've kind of, you know, adjusted, I would say like 50% to this kind of life. Mm-hmm. But back then we hadn't. And what was happening is like we had news being thrown at us every five minutes. There was breaking news and we had no idea. Like you have to know, like we don't come from like, the news industry. So we were just like, how do we do this? Like, like it was just very overwhelming for us. And that summer was just crazy. We had, we had the pandemic, we had the black lives matter movement. Um, we had the elections, the elections were completely yeah. chaotic because we worked nonstop for like four days. It was like, I don't think I've mentioned this, but you know, the way Priyanka and I work is like, we divide our day into two halves. Okay. So I'll do the first 12 hours and she'll do the second, you know, second half of the day. And like, that's how we stay on top of everything at any given moment. And, you know, shifts start as early as like 5am in the morning and they get done as, late as 3 a.m. in the morning and when we were covering the elections it was crazy because I remember staying up till like it was crazy like 4 4 30 in the morning and then she would wake up at 5 and I would like be like okay it's your responsibility now I'm gonna crash for a while and that's kind of how we did it and you know our team wasn't they were troopers they they were with us up with us for days on end and we had a small team. We were like six of us, right. six excluding Priyanka and I, sorry. But we, we're so small and, you know, we were doing all like publishing 80 stories a day. It was chaotic. And 
it was just the most overwhelming time but like that was the best way to learn and um yeah i know i deviated a lot from your original question like but it was like that's kind of like how that's when we started and that's kind of how we learn how to run a new startup we had the best training wheels basically in this first first six months i would say so yeah so march 2020 you went live with volve Mm -hmm. and learned the hard way how to cope with (laughs) the sheer volume of news and the craziness of what was happening to the world. If you need help with your side project, either for inspiration, support, or just general feedback, remember to join our On The Side community on Slack. There are a number of previous guests from the podcast in there, including Sam Hardacre, Mike Street, Dom Hodgson, and Mark Lismore. Pop on over to ontheside.network, which will take you straight through to registration, and I'll see you in there. So I assume then you kind of settled down into this a little bit later in the year once you kind of got used to the new ways of working, the new norm, because this was a whole different way of lifestyle. Um, but between the two of you, you kind of shared that responsibility, you kind of divvied up the day to make sure that you, you provided the support for the team, but also each other in getting through it all. Yeah, definitely. It was really hard for the first year. Um, so the first, for the first year, it was Priyanka who did the morning shift she would wake up at 5 a.m and yeah. i did the night shift so we would end by 3 3 30 in the morning you know we live in this culture like obviously like everyone wants to have like routine in their day right mm-hmm. you want to be able to wake up in the morning and say like i meditate and then i do my workout we didn't have that and it's still so hard to like come to terms that we're never going to have that even you're an entrepreneur there's like no such thing as nine to five And so we've had to like work around in finding our own way of finding a routine in our days, right? Yeah. It's been a very long process to get to this point where we're okay with, you know, the way our life is structured. But Mm. for the first year, it was definitely, definitely very hard. Yeah. So as I was saying, like I was doing the night shift and it's just the news that we're covering that we're supposed to be on top of. So we're actually working during the off time too working like we're product managers you're doing pr you're doing fundraising you're doing everything yeah. right so i'm still working on the off hours from that 12-hour shift so it was just i mean i'm not going to sugarcoat it we were doing crazy hours a day uh no routine no breaks and um it was uh, not easy and uh, definitely burnt out many many times right. had many mm. breakdowns <laughs> was not easy how did you identify that you were burning out and what did you put in place to try and get back in a better place yeah so it took a year uh, to be very honest it took a year wow. for me to understand how to cope with everything mm. for the first year it was i don't know how to explain it but i didn't want to you know, be on top of the news by the end of it i was just exhausted you know yeah. i was like pushing it away and when I would talk to my team, you can make out that, you know, the writing team is different because like once they're done writing, like they don't have any other responsibilities. But for us, for Priyanka and I, it was like, you know, do fundraising and all this all marketing and all of that. And so it was definitely a lot of responsibilities. So they were so happy, our writing team. Like when we would like talk to them, they're like, oh yeah, we love writing and like we love That's this. Cool. And I was like, I don't have that, you know? Yeah, I feel beloved. Exactly. Like I was constantly 
very depleted, that like sad, you know, we were all in lockdown. So we couldn't even like meet people, you know, leaving the house was such an issue. I mean, there was some silver lining to it because, you know, since we were all in lockdown and we were doing these crazy hours, like we didn't feel formal when our friends were hanging out because no one was hanging out. So we were like, oh, okay, fine. Like, I guess like no one's having fun. So that was kind of like the silver lining to everything. But, um, it was still not easy because like, like I, I be out, you know, if I had a friend's birthday, you know, and there was no one to cover the news. I was like, I had my laptop, like my laptop was my safety blanket where I have to open it. And I had to like, you know, cover the news and mm. everyone's like, are you serious? And I'm like, well, someone has to do it at this point. And, you know, yep. yeah. And, and I was like, it's my, it's my shift. It's my responsibility, you know? So definitely burnt out in the first year. And then after that, I kind of like, it, it, between me and Priyanka, we had like many discussions. We were like, we are not working on Saturdays and Sundays. Right. We made that decision. That's good. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I'm not working on the weekend. I'm not going to expect our team to work on the weekend. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why they love working at Ball is because they love that we have that work-life balance because, you know, we don't expect any of the develop like our tech team, no one to work on Saturday and Sunday. You know, we have like a schedule for the writers where they work like, you know, some hours during the weekend. But, you know, I'll never expect them to work even one minute after their shift is done. If it is, I'll be like, I'll do that. Like, you're done for the day, you know, because I, you know, it's really hard to like work beyond those hours that you're supposed to. Like, we know how it is, right? So the way I look at it is like, I shouldn't expect that from anyone else. I'm like, you know, if your workday is done, you know, relax, you're done for the day. Right. So we, it's kind of like this decision where, you know, if they're done for the workday, don't work after that. Like don't work on the weekends. You know, we have projects, we have deliverables, finish those off. And like, that's it. Like that's all we expect of you. And so if you're doing that, we aren't gonna, you know, tell you to work like, you know, and all these crazy hours that like most companies expect you to. And I know it was a kind of like this crazy decision because we had this person and he had founded, you know, two startups before, you know, and so he had kind of, this is not a really nice story, but like he kind of glorified, you know, this hustle culture. He glorified, yeah, he was like, there was no fit from the start. Like when I had these conversations, he was like, you know, um, he would keep telling us like, you need to work Saturdays and Sundays. You need your team to work Saturdays and Sundays. Like if they aren't going to do it, that means they're not dedicated to Bob. And I was just like, there's a difference between asking them to do that and a difference between asking me to do that. I'll do it. If I have, like when we have deadlines, we'll do it. Like, yeah, sure. We don't make a habit out of it, but like, if you have like a deadline, you know, Pierre and I work many weekends, but we don't make it a habit. Like we try to like turn it off as much as we can. I was like, I'll do it. Like, I know we have a deadline. I'll work. Like, but I was like, I can't expect my team to do that because you know, it, it's not part of their deadline, you know, and it's not something that we should be promoting within our startup. And I tried saying that in a really nice way, but he kind of glorified, like, he was like, when I was a founder, like I would get sores in my mouth cause I was so stressed all the time. And I was like, yeah, cause like, you know, you're the way you're kind of projecting that we need to like follow this very intense, you know, schedule. Like, it's just not going to be possible. It's not like sustainable. And, um, I just like, we didn't obviously agree on many things and you can make like, and I realized that like, it's up to me and Priyanka to like set the culture, set the tone. 
and that just wasn't a match and like you know he obviously sensed that too it wasn't like a bad kind of like you know uh, demerger over there but it was kind of like we both understood that you know it was not going to work because we had such opposing you know values to culture and so yeah i would say like you know the way i like to describe Valve all the time is like we created Valve to be this you know it's like a calm reader app you know everything mm-hmm. the way we designed the app from the colors to the branding we wanted to make it a very calm experience and we kind of created to be like this calm sanctuary in this very chaotic world but there's so much happening but if you come involved it's very simple it's very like soothing and that's kind of what and we want that that brand had to project within our company as well you know we did our end of year reviews a couple of weeks ago and that was like the number one feedback that all our you know employees gave to us they were like we love the company culture and we love that you know when it's the weekend like y'all aren't like annoying us to like get this thing done like it's monday like then you get it done you know and i was like i appreciate that you guys have sensed that like how much effort we're putting into that you know yeah also because like Frank and i drained out we're like okay we're done like we'll see you guys on monday <laughs> you see setting a great example you are the leaders of this this business evolve and you want to set that create that culture to make people feel comfortable um and enjoy their work because you, you go back to your point earlier they enjoy the work you didn't at one point so you had to take a, a rain check and work out how to but you've adjusted the demands of the on the business on the customers set the expectations to everyone and it's just being able to cope with that and read the signs as well you, you talked about the numbers earlier on you know what people the, the feedback you're getting from customers the feedback you get from your employees and you were listening to this you weren't just going yeah we don't want to see that that's not interesting or i don't know how to fix that i'll move on to the thing you took it on board and that's, again, testament to your efforts with Volve to make sure that the culture is right to create the right products. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with user feedback, I mean, I personally answer every single email, you know, because, like, that's, like, the best way to, like, understand, like, you know, what's going wrong, like, what people, what are people saying, and, you know, how do we adapt that information into the app. But, yeah, going back to it, it's just, um, yeah, I think culture is so important. Having a work-life balance is so important. You know, as I was saying, like we live in this culture that we celebrate hustle so much. We are expected to do so many things. We're expected to like have side hustles, you know, socialize, work out, like cook, meditate, and like be on top of what's happening. And, you know, it's just impossible. It's not feasible for anyone to do that. And so from the culture of our company to what Vol stands for, it's like, you know, all very intertwined and like, we say, like, you don't need to, like, you know, burn yourself out. Like, you no. can just take two minutes out of your day and, like, you know, be on top of it. You don't need to, like, carve out one hour. You know, it's not required. And we really created this app for, like, you know, that reason. Yeah, and it's a fair point. So, as I say, I, I do like using Volve. And it feels like a quite soothing experience. It's not aggressive. It's not in your face like a lot of press can be. It's just, like... Take your time, swipe through, read it. It's meant to be nine seconds, but I think I might take 15 sometimes, don't get me wrong. But it's the fact that it's so simple and elegant and you've got like, yeah, an upvote, next story. And the notifications you can just mute if you don't want to get them all the time. But at least you're taking that through to the core of the business. And you you mentioned earlier, you know, value-driven products rather than just we can. There's an opportunity, let's tap into it. For sure. I mean, you know, every decision has been very intentional. Um, you know, people would say like, oh, you know, the colors are intentional. Just look pretty. Like, no, it wasn't just look pretty. But, you know, what we did was 
we kind of took like we analyzed all the news apps we analyzed bbc cnn fox news and we saw like all the colors that they were using like bright red you know everywhere like or blue or yellow like you know right in your face and i was just like you know i really don't want to read this and so we just went the opposite we just did whatever they were doing we were like we're not going to do that and that's kind of how we set like you know, we created everything because we just didn't want to be loud. We wanted people right. to feel calm. And, um, yeah, that's just about it. Like it, every decision that we've made in building the app to, you know, creating the culture of the company has been, you know, quite intentional. And, and continue to do it is, you know, it's working really well. And let's, let's talk about the, the acquisition Snapchat have taken. Well, I don't know if it's acquisition, but they've definitely got involved. Can you tell us a bit about what happened there and how that happened? Yeah. So, uh, not an acquisition, but they have invested in us. Mm-hmm. The way that happened is it, very long, long story short, like Priyanka was at this pitch competition sitting next to this girl who was like, oh, you should apply for it, you know, talk to them and everything. And, you know, they got involved basically. And that's how we got into the accelerator program. And yeah, it's been amazing. They, you know, there's definitely, they understand like, you know, how to, you know, create content, you know, mm-hmm. in a very, in one screen, which is, you yep. know, the essence of all capturing content in one screenshot and so there was like it just made sense for us to you know come together in that way because you know they understood the market so it just made sense for us to kind of you know come together with snapchat they they understand the market they understand you know what this generation wants like you know not just millennials gen z gen alpha and there was a lot of synergy in that aspect for us to you know you know tell like we got a lot of advice from them you know in terms of like you know Open. yeah how to you know grow and like you know what is what should be our priority at this point and made us think a lot made us aware of a lot of aspects you know we had to like focus on you know improving the content making the experience more enjoyable for the users rather than like focusing on growth before you know you know there's this thing where you know if you grow too quickly and you know your users are just dropping off there's no point in it so they were like focus on keeping your users and focus on like making your content better and it it, it was just such an incredible experience being with them so yeah definitely yes it's all around it sounds wonderful and uh, do you get the opportunity to learn we obviously get some advice from them do, you, do they provide mentoring and sort of strategic direction on what's going to happen for the future of evolve or is it kind of evolving as you get into it a bit more um definitely a lot of advice we you know we get to, we spoke to evan you know and he was just like also giving feedback you know and he was also one of the people who were like um you gotta like you know diversify the content you know and yeah. we, we had already gotten a lot of feedback. So it was just about like taking that step, you know, but you know, we, there were so many people within the snapbacks or the directors and we were just talking to all these people. And it was also like the community that we met, you know, all these founders who are in the same boat as you and we're all sharing tips and figuring out how to grow together, how to like fundraise together. And it, it's just been, you know, it was incredible that way. It sounds like a marriage made in heaven, really, for Evolve. <laughs> you know, you got that, the, the, the monolith that is Snap to kind of provide the, the community, the direction, the strategy, the insights to what works and what doesn't. So what what plans do you have right now for Evolve? Is it still to be confirmed? Are you kind of doing little changes here and there? Or have you got like a long-term vision on what you're mm-hmm. going to do? So we have a lot of things coming up. Quite exciting, really. Um not sure how much I can save. Yeah, I think I can mention it right now. But basically, we are um, going to become invite only. Right. Well, it's going to be a purely invite only app. Uh, we're transitioning. Um, so to give you some background on this decision, 
basically the way we created Vol from day one was we were very product driven. So everything was like, how do we make this app the best experience for anyone? We did a very good job with that. But we soon realized that we lacked in the community aspect of the app. And so what we're doing right now is really trying to build a community. And so what we're going to be implementing all these, you know, social features. And when I say social, it's not like, you know, like Facebook or Instagram. It's really like giving a person a face on the app. So like you would have your own profile, like a username, and you'll soon be able to like DM your friends articles within the app. It's not meant to like chat, but like just share, you know, content basically. Or small things like if you bookmark articles, you can share a reading list with someone, you know? It's just like nuanced things like that that make the experience for you as a user like much better. Like you would be able to see if you are the top 2% of readers on the app or, you know, top 10%, you know, it's just like small things like that. Like, you know, really make it a community driven, you know, experience. And so that's kind of what we're aiming for. We do also aim to, you know, foray into the whole Web3 experience that, you know, how everything's going to be transitioning soon. We think it's a matter of time. And so I would say in the next, you know, six, seven months, that's where we're going to be at. So a lot of changes. I wouldn't say changes. It's just like transitioning and, you know, evolving with the times, basically. Got a great word put in there as well with evolve. You can use that to your advantage. Always. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, I mean, we talked a lot about Volve and obviously that's what what we invited you along for, but you'd mentioned you now have your weekend time back after (laughs) adjusting your commitments. What do you do to unwind and how, you know, how do you make the most of that time, you know, when you're offline? Yeah. So for me, it's all about like doing things that don't require my brain to work. So like if I don't have to like make my brain work, like uh, that's for me called unwinding. And um, so I found, I I think in the past year, I found like art that's very therapeutic. So I've been, I picked up art, uh, painting, sketching and all of that. And I find that it's such a beautiful way to like take my mind off things for hours sure. on end over the weekend. So I've been doing a lot of that actually. And yeah, I mean, it's quite simple. It's just like one hobby that I've taken up, but I genuinely do love it because it's, you know, it doesn't require me to like think at all about anything. Cause like when you're con- like, cause like when you're working in a startup, like it's always like make a decision on this, you know, sure. like what's happening over there. And you're like, I want to use my brain for a while. So for me, it's just like doing something that doesn't require me to like think basically and do something with my hands. So I really enjoy the entire process of like making art. Oh, I mean, you, you've got the perfect hobby for turning off from the screen as well. You do not need to look at a TV or a monitor or a phone. You literally just get a canvas or a book or whatever you're using, you know, and zone in because you, the, the wonderful thing with art as well, you will literally close off and around the world and just do what you're doing, can't you? Yeah, I mean, it's like either like turning off completely where I don't use like my brain at all or it's mm. like I love writing. And I have my notebook where I just keep writing. And it's like, you know, really creative, witty thing that I've never shared with anyone in the world. But I have like this notebook where I just like, I I don't know if a lot of people feel this, but like for me, I've, you know, as I mentioned, like I wanted to get in music a lot because I loved it, you know. And um, so what I, I don't know for a lot of people, but like when I listen to a song, I sort of um, imagine a scene of what the song would be like. 
and kind of like jot it down. It's really, it, it takes really weird, funny turns. And so I love like writing about all of that, or it could just be anything, you know, that I see around me. And it's just like, I love writing. So that's where I do use my brain. So it's either like art or it's like writing basically. Or music, as you allude to, because obviously that was where you were trying to get into it in the early days, but you know, you'll always for enjoy sure. in your own time. Yeah, for sure. The music one is like, it, it, it can just be like, I'll be listening to a song and I'll, I'll look around and I'll like, I'll be talking to like my, you know, friends or my sister. I'll be like, oh, wouldn't this, like, when you listen to this song, does it remind you of like, you know, and I'll like portray like a scene from like a TV show or movie and they'll be like, oh yeah. Like, um, so like, I kind of like jot those thoughts down. I was like, okay, yeah, that, that's something that will work for it basically. So yeah, it's kind of like a merge of both my things, uh, like music and writing that I both love. And so, yeah, I get a lot of, um, I love like working those creative juices and it happens like have really weird times, like mm-hmm. 6 a.m. in the morning is when it just, you know, I come up with like the really crazy stuff. So, it, it, you know, I'll be working and suddenly I'll like be listening, I'll listen to like music in the background to keep myself like going in the morning and I'll, I'll be like, oh, and I'll just make a note. And yeah, that's just kind of how it goes all the time. You've got a good balance by the sound of it, though. At least with the weekends, you get to do some art and creative stuff with your hands. Whereas in the nine, nine to five of the, the working day, I say nine to five, you you <laughs> do zone in and you can still put your music on in the background, I guess. But it's not as easy with the work you do. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, as I as as I mentioned, like you don't have a nine to five, so no. it's all about finding purpose in your day to whenever you get the time, right? And it's been a very long road for me to get to this point where it's like, if I have that 45 minutes, I'm going to take it for myself and I, you know, switch off mentally and I'm be, and I'm quite purposeful and intentional at that time. I'm going to be like, okay, I'm not going to think about anything else. I'm just going to like keep it for myself. And that's kind of my routine. I take those moments throughout the day and I'm like, I'm going to have this for myself. And, you know, I don't get to be like, okay, seven to 8 PM. I'm going to work out. Like that's not possible. It's like if I get that 30 minutes or 20 minutes, I'm going to go, okay, I'll just squeeze it in right now. And I think I've just found like that kind of balance in my life where I've just accepted that I'm never going to have routine and I just got to find those moments and like just go with it, just roll with it. Once you start, once you stop fighting it, I think it's just, you, you just, it's much better in life, you know? Yeah. At least for a couple of years. I mean, until like, you know, I'm able to hire many, like a lot more people and they can take half my responsibilities. Maybe then I can be like, okay, I can have like a great routine. But until then, just for me, the way I look at it is like find the small moments and, you know, just go with it. Stop fighting it, basically. Fair play. And I, you, you mentioned the keyword balance in there, which is something we always talk about on this podcast. You found a balance that works for you. And it, it's around, I, I like the way you use the value, value-driven goal-driven approach to a day rather than time boxing because I think a lot of people get into that routine of I just need to fit things in through the day but do they get to that end goal or are they just filling your day out and obviously you've switched your mind into that mindset yeah it's just because like when you don't get to do that on a certain day if like I don't get that time block you can beat yourself up really Mm. bad like you can beat yourself up and be like oh I didn't get to do that because I was supposed to do it at that time but then a meeting came up and so I wasn't able to work out and you can beat yourself about it. And, but you have to like look at life as like fluid, like you, you know, you just have to go with it. And I think there's something beautiful about that because, you know, if you just keep living every day the same way, 
it gets very monotonous. And so I've found for myself that if I just do things like whenever I get the time and, you know, I stop fighting against it and just like go with it, it, it's just, I feel better the next day, you know, finding that, you know, calmness and balance when you're doing it and, you know, not fight like, and then I can work like right after and that's fine. Like, you know, you just got to find those moments. Fair play. I, I, I will take that away myself. I think that's a really nice way, way to wrap things, this conversation up. Um, final question for you. I'll try to ask everyone that comes along is, have you got any tips for anyone that's got this vision to disrupt a market and how to, how do you reckon they should take that ahead? Um, I have a lot, but I'm going to like focus to like maybe like Leave one or two. Yeah. yeah, just a few. I would say uh, first things first is, you know, especially if you're in the tech scene, you know, like if you have podcasts, if you want to, you know, be an entrepreneur, like whatever it is, sure. um, go to your market. And so for me, in my case, it was on Twitter. You know, I was a little late to the game in that aspect, but go to Twitter, start talking to people, start tweeting. Start building confidence in your followers, in yourself, right? So, like, so when you do have to launch something one day, they are going to be like, okay, cool. Like, you know, he or she, you know, they've been doing a great job in tweeting about this. And I really, you know, you know, I, I'm going to take their work for it. So when they're launching a product, you know, I, I'm going to download it. I'm going to use it. And so really building that audience, building that community on Twitter, I think is, like, really important it's something that a lot of us don't realize. Like, even if you don't even have a goal of launching something, you know, you're kind of like, you know, kind of trying to like do some market research in different areas, test it out, like DM people. You, I think the number one thing is like, people are always just scared of getting that no. But what you don't realize is all you got to do is like DM someone. I have DM like very affluent people and, you know, they've all gotten back to me. Like I can Twitter DM them and, you know, they won't get back to me that minute. But, you know, after a couple of days, they're always getting back to me. And mm-hmm. it's so simple because a lot of people are very receptive to like having people message them on Twitter. And it's and people think like, oh, they're never going to like, OK, cool. Like if you message like 50 people, I guarantee you like at least five people are going to message you back. And, you know, so just like build that community online, get feedback from people, get advice from people and just be where, you know, your market is. So you just got to find where your market is and like, you know, get into that area basically. And so I would say before you even start building out anything, you know, build that community. It's something that we learned very late, you know, we're very product first driven and, you know, then we transition and that's when we realize like, Oh, it's all about community. And, um, but you know, we got there and we're doing that right now, but you know, I wish I had done that when we were like, building ball you know in the days before we had launched you know building that community going on twitter talking to users right now what we're doing is they were talking to our current users uh you know reaching out to us on the app but it would have been great to like have done that on twitter and it goes back to what i said earlier too like i had also mentioned like you know ball is all it was built on intuition you know that's been extremely fair to us because you know we wouldn't have built this app without it but it would have been better also if we had spoken to, you know, prospective users. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Use Twitter to your advantage. It's there for networking more than anything. So exactly. use it. And I, I agree. You won't always get a response. But, you know, I'd say a good 50% do generally get back to you when you ask just genuine questions for help. If not 50, you get like 20%. Like, that's still yeah. amazing. Like a 20% response rate is still great. So, like, do it. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Well, good, good advice, actually. We'll take that one away. It's been an absolute pleasure, Shannon. Thank you very much for joining me today. It was amazing. It's great talking to you. I'm so glad to get this chance to talk to you because, you know, not a lot of people, you know, talk about like having this work-life balance and, you know, they rather have this very hustle culture. So, you know, it's great to like demystify that and tell you, you know, you can have that balance as well. I, I think your story explains it how successful it can be as well. You know, you learn from your mistakes early on, but then at the end of it, you've got investment from one of the biggest, you know, media companies in the world now. So just learning to adjust and making time for yourself to make it work is, is fantastic advice. Again, thank you. How can people get hold of you? You know, where, where do they look for Volve and how do they speak to, reach out to you individually as well? So yeah, if you want to download Evolve, you can go to evolvemedia.com. You can reach out to me at shannon at evolvemedia.com. You can email me whenever, or you can DM me on Twitter. Um, my handle is Shannon S. Almeida. Um, I usually respond to all DMs, so feel free to you know message me if you have any questions, and you know, download the app, check it out, tell me how you like it. I recommend it personally as well. And I'll make sure all your contact details are in the show notes for anyone that wants to find you. Um, again, thank you ever so much, Shannon. It's been wonderful. Um, and hopefully we'll hear again from you in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you ever so much to Shannon for joining us on this week's Make Life Work. Such an insightful and honest conversation about finding that healthy balance when involved. And I love how she continues to focus on core values for herself, her teammates and the end users. You can download Volve from the Apple and Google app stores and you can reach out to Shannon on Twitter to find out all the details. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you like and review in your favorite podcast app. It helps us to know who's listening and lets others discover us. You can reach out to us on the Twitter, Instagram and Facebook as at MakeLifeWorkPod. You can email hello at MakeLifeWorkPodcast.com. We check every single email and find all the details and show notes and archives on our website. Until next time, I've been Side Jobling and this is the Make Life Work Podcast. Yeah.